And we're live with BDO Tavern, our very first podcast. My name is Jubal, and with me as co-host is... Blue Orange. And Aaron. And Lindell. And we are all playing the excellent game of Black Desert Online. And we said, got together and said, let's do a podcast. So that's what we're doing. Um... We're all in a guild, and that guild's name is The Older Gamers. This is not an official podcast of The Older Gamers. So, now that we got that disclaimer out of the way, let's continue. And, um, I guess we'll like to start off with, you know, what's the number one thing that we're doing in this game right now? And I guess Blue could start. So, I've started out trying to do everything all at once. And what I'm trying to do right now is gathering advancement. There are some things that you can only make if you've got very high level gathering skills, uh, and I'm working on that. And in order to do that, I have to level, so I'm, I'm killing a few monsters as well. So what are you gathering? Like plants? You're just picking shit? Yeah, so the gathering advancement quests force you to do a whole bunch of different types of gathering. Right now, I've just picked up uh, gathering quests from the Northern Wheat Plantation, and that's it's largely themed around um, the crops and the and the boars uh, there at Northern Wheat. The previous set that I did were over towards Glish, which involved a lot of herb gathering. And I have killed so many trees, and and our guild's war against the trees is uh, is an ongoing matter of passion and honor for all of us. Well, I'm, I hope I hope it goes well. And the next person I like to ask about what he's doing is really special because he's play, been playing this game longer than anyone I know. Aaron, tell tell him a little bit about you know your your unique history with this game. The history with the game is more or less playing with a friend who's actually Korean. So I played on the Korean server until it got blocked, but because of the language problems and the English patch notes not coming in until much later. I stuck to trading and really love trading and when I set out in this game I thought start with what you know and I will trade and that's how I began for the first two weeks I suppose. So the Koreans tell me about that a little bit. PKing was commonplace so unless you actually stayed in the fairly safe zones you would get um, PK'd regularly and often unless you were a trader they let the traders through it wasn't too difficult, but um, getting involved in the other aspects of the game was just impossible for somebody who wasn't a member of a, an English-speaking guild, which I wasn't. I was just playing with my friend as he f finished work for a few hours each evening. Would you say that there's been more or less PK in the Northern American so far? There's been limited PKing in the North American server. They've certainly slanted it that way so that it's very expensive to PK. And I think PKing, as far as um, player versus player is concerned, is probably the most hated aspect of, the, of any game, certainly that I've played, where you've had PK guilds that did nothing but grief. And griefing is, is really horrible. It stops people from playing altogether. I'll tell you something. Last night we had a guildie. He goes, hey, Jubal, I just got ganked. And I'm like, what? What happened? He goes, I'm sitting here, and I'm attacking something, and this guy, all of a sudden, you know, he, he reds up and kills me. So I messaged the guy. 
And that guy, basically, he was in a guild. Let me see, guild rank. They're the number three guild on the uh, Orwin server. And I talked to him. He goes, yeah, the whole reason I, I went red and killed him was that we had a guild quest. He was in that area, so I went red, and I removed him from the area. And he found... He, guy lost karma for it, so I don't understand why. But do you have any idea, Aaron, what what the mentality there is? I just think that's uh, old school mentality. That's the, the griefing. You get out of my area. You know, we know that it's happening in the farming areas where guilds are officially uh, going to war with each other over the farming areas, which to me is fine. But when it's one player amongst a guild in the same area, I just find that a little bit weird. Well, it cost them karma. And Absolutely. It, yeah, Absolutely. It to, karma. to me, it was pointless. Yeah, no, but he's, but he's explained what, what his point was, which is that uh, they wanted to, to pursue their guild mission. They didn't want anyone impeding their ability to complete the guild mission really quickly, and he was in the way. Lendl. Yeah. But I think you guys are on the right track with the PvP stuff. I think one thing probably to keep in mind at this point is that the game is brand new. And so the PvP activity, along with everything else in the game, it needs some time to settle down before we really understand how it's all going to come together. And there's, we've had a few isolated PK events, not, a, not very many, I think two or three perhaps in uh, the weeks that the game has been out. And the karma system is in effect, but nobody really knows exactly what the uh, repercussions of that are going to be. I mean, suppose you do kill one or two or three people, whatever it takes to become an outlaw. Are there varying degrees of outlaw? And how harsh is that going to be? And how long are you going to have to suffer under those consequences? And that's going to control what discourages the open world ganking, if you will. The, the player killing is going to be either more or less prevalent in the open world according to how that karma system is actually put in place. I don't know what that is, what those values are, and I don't know if anybody does at the moment. And even if we did, I'm pretty sure that the karma system as it is right now probably is going to be adjusted over the next few weeks or months as the game settles down. So it's going to be interesting to see where BDO lands as a game and in terms of how it deals with the, the PvP part of it. Yeah, I, I perceive BDO as a game that is welcoming to uh, open-world PvP in a number of ways, but at the same time, I think it provides a lot of protection against it. Um, the fact that you don't get any drops when you kill someone in PvP uh, means that you're not going to kill them for loot. Um, the fact that you can't be uh, killed in PvP until you're level 45 unless you're in a, an arena means that newbies are protected from it. I think that most people are going to have uh, an experience of PvP in Black Desert that's very similar to the high sec areas in EVE Online, but without the really toxic griefing behaviors like can flipping and contract fraud and that sort of thing. Oh, look, my history of PvP and PKing, it starts all the way back to like 2000 in EverQuest. I, for some crazy reason, I was on the one PvP server, Rallosec. And when it when it was just one's PvP server, and the worst of the worst, I was a ranger, which probably was the worst class in EverQuest. A naked wizard would come up to you, ice comment you, 
take your take your sword. Take all your loot. Because at first, it was, you know, total loot. They would just take anything they want. You know, then they switched it to one item. But it, it still was totally out of balance and stuff. And, and I think... The whole, my whole problem with PvP and PKing was this. If you're going to be a criminal, and you're going to act antisocial, then don't let them bank. Don't let them use services. Don't let them be in the city at all. Period. You're an outlaw. And yeah, why- and I agree with that as well. I think that there, there has to be a penalty for outlaw behavior. It, it doesn't have to be enough of a penalty that there are never any outlaws in the game. But it has to be enough of a penalty that it controls the outlaw activity in the game. There are, there's a wide spectrum of these games out there, or at least that have been out there over the past five years, in in terms of how they did their PvP. Sometimes you have a de- a decided enemy, like in Ion, for instance, where there were two halves to the world, and you were you either belonged to your half of the world or you belonged to the other half of the world, and you knew who your enemies were all the time. And whenever you came in contact, you had to kill each other because that was just what the game was. There are other games, like Black Desert Online here is a good example of that, where your enemy is not clearly defined. Your enemy is whoever you decide your enemy is, either as individuals in the game or as guilds in the game. Guilds declare war on each other. Players just get into situations where they're tangling with each other for one reason or another, and one of them will turn on their PvP flag and attack the other. So it's it's by choice, and it you don't have a specific enemy in Black Desert. So it's a little bit different than some of the other games where your enemies are always red, they're always the same enemies. Yeah, and yeah. I think you touched on one of the major themes of uh, Black Desert there, which is player choice. You know, you can choose how politically active and how much you're going to expose yourself to PvP you're going to be. Yeah, a lot of it is personal choice. I think that, that you get to decide how often you want to be involved in PDP, PvP. You can get together your own group and go hunting other players anytime you want to. That's That, that outlaw behavior is um, in, in keeping with the mechanics of the game. What that's going to cost you remains to be seen because you can't do that with without any cost. There is there is definitely going to be a cost to that behavior, but whether that cost is significant or not is remains to be seen. And then later on in the game, as the game gets a little more mature over the next few weeks or months, we're going to start getting into guild wars where where a guild will actually declare war on another guild or may simply decide to um, attack another guild's holdings. Because, again, as the game gets more mature, guilds are going to get stronger, and they're going to be able to set up their own towers and their own keeps and their own defenses around either a node or even a town or even the cities in the game. Wait a second. Are you talking about, like, guilds are going to have wars over resources? That's not very realistic. Yes. Yes, they are. Exactly that. Guilds will control areas. And they'll control them for various reasons. Either they'll control them for the resources or they'll control them in order to be able to tax people who need to use whatever activities are going on in whatever area they're controlling, such as a town or a city, for example. 
you, if if a, a guild uh, conquers a, a particular city, and it's a popular trading hub, for example, people that are coming coming and going and doing business in that city are going to have to be paying taxes to the controlling guild. So naturally, other guilds are going to want that same benefit, and in order to gain it, will attack the the guild that's holding it. And if they can uh, take it away from the guild that's holding it, then they get the benefit. But that's part of the game. That's the guild versus guild part of the game. Interesting. Interesting. I think we should move on to uh, talk a little about current events in the patch that we just had. Well, one thing going on in the patches this time around is that the Cherry Blossom event kicked off. And that's going to be continuing through May 4th. I've actually managed to pick up one of those cherry blossom seeds. Um, I haven't planted it yet, though, because I haven't got a big enough uh, farm plot to put it in. One of the members of the guild has actually um, managed to farm the, the cherry seeds and produce the cherry blossoms and get the cherry blossom earring. Um, we've confirmed that it's purely cosmetic. It's kind of nice. and Earrings are not exactly the most visible part of a character. I think that these seasonal events that go on in these games are... A nice element. They generally tend to be of a non-practical nature. You know, you get you get rewards, and, and uh, the goals of of participating in the event are less of a practical nature and more of just a local color type nature. But I think the cherry festivals that I've seen in the past have have been particularly nice because they're they're always pretty. They're always welcomed in the springtime. And um, they just generally don't tend to be as messy as some of the other events that you see in these games. Things like the Halloween events and the Christmas events when you can't actually call it Christmas. You know, you have to have some sort of made-up uh, winter uh, solstice-type event or whatever. You know why, though? There's, just, there's a reality to the situation. They're not selling the game to one race, religion, or creed. It's a business, and they don't want to exclude anyone. And I agree. They're not gonna, you know, they're not gonna do that. Yeah, but it's hard to go wrong with Christmas. Pretty everybody, pretty much everybody likes Christmas. You know, it, it may not be their own particularly rel- religious holiday in their part of the world, but still, they they understand what Christmas is and they go along with it. And it, hey, it's got trees and lights and presents, and you know, what's to hate? All right. Well, yeah, I I can go with that. So that's the cherry blossom. You know, the cherry yeah. blossom, that's very Japanese. Isn't that like Sakura in J- Japan? Yeah. And it's yeah, very pretty. In Japan. It's um, very the... pretty, and it happens in the springtime. It's just a, a nice thing to do. Right, when you talk talked about... about practical value, though, Lendl, have you been eating your Easter eggs? Oh, sorry, the eggs of St. Ferrero? <laughs> no, I haven't. I started out, but didn't really notice much of a benefit from it. I mean, it gives you some kind of a little buff for 10 seconds, and I thought, wow, you know, if I get into a fight, the fight's generally going to last maybe, I don't know, 90 seconds, 45 seconds. Am I going to stop and think, hey, I should eat this Easter egg that's going to give me a plus one crit for 10 seconds? You know, I don't think so. I got five minutes of a plus one luck. Ooh. Which is not bad. That's pretty good. Five whole minutes, that's not bad. I spent seven bucks on luck. Pro plus one luck on those underwear. Yeah, hopefully the underwear lasts more than five minutes, although I, I don't know. <laughs> I think it does. All right, so the next on the patch notes is uh, class changes. There's rangers and berserkers. My main is a berserker, so I'll talk about that. 
Does anyone play a ranger? Nope. Nah. Nope. No. Okay, so pretty much the rangers changed. Looks like they've had increases on, on a bunch of their skills. Will of Wind, Charging Wind. Um, aerial shots after evasion shot was slightly decreased. Mm. Berserkers, on the other hand, way buffed. Undertaker damage increased. And when I say increased, I mean it mean increased from like 124% to 600% on rank 2. Like 800% on rank 3. Fierce Strike buffed. Frenzy Destroyer damage increased. I guess there was some serious issues with the, the balancing on Berserkers on the damage output that they were doing. And that was tweaked. And I'm glad to see that, uh, that di- di- damn... Damn, what a name. Damn was... Uh, able to take a look at Berserkers and, you know, make adjustments and changes. It works. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about the classes as we discuss them. For example, people who may not have played Black Desert might be curious about how that works. The Ranger is a typically Ranger class. No surprises there. It's highly mobile and it's ranged damage. That's that's the Ranger's thing. In Black Desert, they don't get... They don't get pets, for example. They don't get to turn into animals and that kind of stuff. They're just bottom of the line ranger class, pretty pretty yeah, typical and unsurprising. unsurprising. The berserkers are a melee fighter that is not at all tanky. They're not a defensive class so much as they are an offensive class. So when you think of an up close in your face melee fighter, that's the berserker. And I guess I can talk a little bit about the the two classes that I've played in a serious way which is the tamer and the witch tamer is a very much an in-your-face melee character has some very nice damage output has no tank whatsoever and uh, relies on constant movement in order to survive by contrast the witch is a pretty standard spell trucker um, actually has a better tank than the tamer uh, when it comes to to being able to take a hit and uh, has some really satisfying aoe damage aaron what is your main my main's a witch. Yeah, but I mean, I'm, uh, <laughs> I mean, I played since the early start. I think I'm still only level 32. And I got most of that from um, trading and fishing. So I, I get killed a lot because I'm not used to the key combos. It's, it's a very different game in, in terms of key combos. And uh, it takes a little while to adjust and to get used to it. But I'll get there. I'm so, sure. Yeah, yeah I'll I'm have sure to get there people. by the time the Guild Wars starts, because you know that's my, that's my thing. Yeah, you'll get there, and 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 you and you do have a little bit of a. I'm not going to say a huge jump, but you got the you got to play a little bit of this before we did for a year. Oh yeah, I got to play a little of it. Um, I mean, I I know what the key combos are. I, I it's just that. Um, aged fingers don't work the way young fingers do that's what i find is a little bit difficult that's why god created the naga mouse well <laughs> yeah well i mean i have steel series um keyboard but i haven't invested into the 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 macros for the case because i i'm a clicker by old um you know i've always been a clicker rather than a key puncher and so, therefore, I do struggle in that area, but I'll get there. What Steel Series keyboard do you have? Do you have Stop that fun. one that has that extra section to the left? Yes. That's the one I got. It's um, it's called a Mer- Steel Series Merc. 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 Stealth. Yeah. Now, right. when I bought that keyboard, 
Got it on Amazon for $39.99. I swear to you, two years ago. They they discontinued it. And now you can only find it for like $160 and up. Correct. Because it's it's a discontinued item. And I don't know why Steel Series will not just make a, a new model of it. Because that, that section to the left is amazing. It's amazing. Everything, like your WASD, is the everything you need is reachable within one hand. And the That's... numbers, and the jump, and the shift, and, 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 and all the current gaming. And there's a program that you get to use. I forgot what it's called, but you could have different key bindings for different games. Yep. And it's just amazing. That in combination with a Naga Mouse, it's, yeah, you're, you're gold. I've I've used it I've used I used it a lot in Guild Wars too. Oh yeah, when I played Star Wars: The Old Republic is when uh, I really really when it needed to be like really clicky with the numbers, you know. So that's what that situation was about. There's some item changes that we could talk about. You know, the Easter eggs we could you know we already talked a little bit about the cash shop. How what kind of experience with the pat, cash shop have you guys had? Yeah, I spent ten dollars twice to um, pick up some of their stuff, and I don't regret it. I think it was it was worth it, to, you know, to me anyway. It's it's always a choice. The thing about their cash shop is that it it tries very hard to not be play to win, so they don't offer anything of of great significance. They do offer some things that do have some significance. Yes, it's not all just fluff, although a lot of it is costumey type you know makeup and dye type fluff but but they do have a few things that are of actual practical nature things like expansion for your inventory slots and um they have uh oh let's see what else they have some boss summon scrolls but those are for loyalty rewards more than than uh to be bought with real life cash you can get some pets uh, i think as aaron started to say there there's a an item called a tear of somebody or other that gives you an instant res out in the field. Now a that... lot of PVPers are really complaining about the tier, the tier of Elion, um, because it allows you know people to pop back up and 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 keep going in PVP. Yeah, and that's that's purchasable by I think both loyalty points and real life cash, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I know that they drop as a, as an achievement re- reward at uh, level thirty. I think it is. Yeah, but anyway, in my opinion, it's a pretty typical game shop of this nature. It it tries to not be real practical in in any sort of a pay to win sense. But there are a few things that that do have some practical basis. The the vast majority of it is fluff. You know, it's just cosmetic stuff. Anyway, it's interesting and it's worth looking at. And there's generally probably going to be a few things in there that you might want, even if it's just a new uh, costume for your character or something. I think that their cheapest purchase is probably around $10. And then you can go up two or three levels from there and get more expensive uh, game cash if you want. So it's okay, in my opinion. It's pretty average. I'm of a different opinion. Now, when I came from our gauge, which we all did, my opinion of this of of these cash shops, Korean cash shops, is that I am very hesitant. It's not so much of a situation of pay to win, because that's silly. You don't win these games. No one's won the World of Warcraft. You don't win these games. The problem is, 
selling power. You shall not sell power. That should be it. And quite honestly, this game does sell power. You know, if you take a look, you take a look, there's, there's stats on the costumes. The pets allow you to, to loot. It might be considered convenience, but I'm, I'm saying power, man. I'm, they sell power. And it's slight, but it's, it's a slippery curve. You will definitely advance further um, and faster if you invest in pets. I think pets in particular are, are transformative because you can, you can fight while mounted and have your pet do the looting for you. You can just keep on defending yourself uh, in situations where you might otherwise have to stop to loot. But I guess it's a, it's, it's a question of where do, you, where do you put it? And you're not going to lose a fight so much to someone because they've got their pay-to-win gear out. Um, but they might be better prepared for that fight than you. Yeah, I think it, some of the things in the in the cash shop do give you a slight edge in one way or another, but none of them are really game-breaking, in my opinion. You get extra space in your inventory, which you can argue may, makes it easier for you, for you to do crafting and uh, trading and gathering, and, it, and definitely it does. And, and yes, you can buy that. And having your pets be able to do your looting for you makes it easier for you to kill mobs quicker. And, and yes, you can do that, but... But it's not such a big difference that I would even call it close to pay to win. I, and, and the benefits that you get from the, the armor that you mentioned, Blue, uh, I think that, that it, it borders on significant or not significant. It's not, again, it's not a game changer by any means. Yeah, and I think it reflects a, a sort of an aspect of how to play Black Desert in a successful way. You have to be willing to find your place in the world. And if you're place in Black Desert is not that you're going to spend a thousand dollars then you're not going to be the number one combat wombat uh, in the entire game you know uh, we've got the number one gatherer in our guild and I'm pretty sure that he hasn't been spending a lot of money at the cash shop because you don't need to you just need to chop down a lot of trees but uh, yeah if you if your ego is seriously damaged every time you lose a fight then this game is either going to cost you a lot of money or you're going to quit yeah, but another thing is here, if you want an outfit that looks different than the same outfit that you had at level one, you will spend $30. Now, that is outrageous. It's unforgivable. And that's something that we need to call them out on that. That's, I, I can, you know, at level 50, your level one outfit, the only way out of it is to spend 30 bucks. Dude, if you can't tell the differences between these outfits, then you're going to have a lot of difficulty maintaining a relationship with a woman because there are subtle changes there that you really need to be able to spot. Yeah, I don't think the outfits are the biggest deal. I think that Jubal has a point and all that, but but that's going to mean a lot more to people who care a lot more about what they look like rather than how well they're playing the game or how capable their character is in the game. Another point to bring up, too, is that all of these little edges that the cash shop gives you are attainable in, in the game in, in other ways. You don't, you don't have to purchase them through the cash shop. You can gain inventory space by doing quests, for example, and you can pick up your own loot. It's not onerous. It's just not as efficient as, letting, as ignoring it and letting your pets do it. But it's quite doable. I haven't had pets throughout the entire game. When I first started playing the game, 
I didn't have any pets at all until probably well into my 20th level. And I was picking up my own loot just fine. It wasn't really slowing me down that much. Granted, there is a slight edge to these things, but I think it would be good to keep in mind that you can achieve all of this by just putting in a little extra playtime. If you're one of those people who has decided philosophically that you do not want to participate in a games uh, game shop, you're not going to lose a huge advantage to people who do spend some money in there. It's just a matter of, of putting in a few extra hours to make up the difference. And, you know, you have these, these uh, situations where certain characters for certain reasons will get uh, a, lot, a lot more powerful a lot more quickly because they're played more often either they're played by you know frat players who share them during the day or they're they're played by um even even uh, companies or organizations will will go that route and, and play these characters professionally in order to for example um, generate cash that they can then sell in the game like you know the gold sellers that are notorious in all of these games one of the things that black De desert does really well is to discourage that sort of um of of commercialization of the game itself i think they've done a really good job with that and we'll have to see how that goes because naturally the gold sellers always find a way around the attempts to discourage them but so far they've done pretty well i would say no, they haven't. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, my perception is that it would be very, very difficult for a gold seller to actually offer something of value to me. They're certainly out there spamming on the channels. It's about the same badness as any other post-launch game. But um, but it really staggers me to, to work out what it is that they might actually be offering to people that they might be a, willing to pay for. Most of the things that they've actually been selling aren't game currency like gold. There are things that they are able to purchase from the cash shop and are apparently selling to players at a reduced price for some reason. I don't quite understand how that would work, but I, I believe that that is, in fact, what's happening. I'm on eBay right now. They have accounts for 350 300 Oh, they're here. Wait a second. There's a guild for sale for... $2,000. Okay, Someone's so, selling I mean, a kill. Selling uh, is always a practice that's going to be impossible to eradicate. Um, where they get the accounts from and whether you're going to get to keep it after you make the purchase are, are reasons why smart buyers will stay away from, from that stuff. It's crazy. It's, it's literally insane. $2,000. The game mechanics have deliberately made it hard to trade material and wealth of any sort between players. So for a gold farmer to come in, pump up his character or characters professionally, you know, by playing them 24 hours a day, making all kinds of gold and picking up all kinds of high-level, high powerful loot, has really very, very limited uh, means to distribute those things to his customers. So his customers come to him, pay him money. He gives them he gives them either gold or uh, items. So making it difficult for him to trade gold and items is going to put a dent in his business, and and that appears to be what's happening in Black Desert. It's very difficult to trade items between players. And one of the reasons they've done that, probably the reason they've done that, is to discourage gold sellers. And I, I think it is working to an extent. 
It's a really good point. I I, uh, I got given some potions for t to help with a guild mission, and I found that I couldn't put them into storage, so I couldn't put them off of my character. So if someone's going to offer me like a thousand potions for some cash or something, then the encumbrance penalty means that my character is never going to move anywhere um, until I deal with these potions. I can't sell them to an NPC vendor. I can't put them in storage. So... All I can, you know, the only way that you can actually share items between players is sharing limited quantities um, because you're actually being a team. It makes it quite inconvenience for uh, quite an inconvenience for the players in general. But the it's the price of trying to discourage the gold sellers. For example, in a, when you're in a guild, you want to pull together as a team. You want you want your your crafters uh, crafting things for the guild. You want your your uh, gatherers gathering resources for the guild, and that isn't happening in this game the way it does in most of these games. Simply because players can't trade stuff with other players. It's a point that I think is worth debating, which is, you know, what is the value of, for instance, a guild bank. Um, and as the guild leader, I've got to say, I am so glad we do not have a guild bank. I don't have to work out what are we going to put in the guild bank, who put that stupid item in the guild bank, who took that valuable item out of the guild bank. All of that just unpleasant political aspect of the game is eradicated because it's just it's been eliminated. Agreed. Well, there are two reasons why you become a crafter in these games. One of them is for the satisfaction of making your own equipment and increasing your treasury, making money at it. The other one is for being able to craft items for your friends and guildmates. That's always been a big source of satisfaction for a crafter. It's, it's been largely the reason that some people craft and that doesn't exist in this game because you can't give the products you crafted to other people it, with very few exceptions i i think blue mentioned uh, potions is one i think certain food items is another but beyond that you can't craft gear for example for friends you just can't do it so that takes away a lot of the reason for being a crafter it's an interesting yeah. point um, I, one of the things that uh, I've been meaning to look into is this uh, rumor that if you put something on the marketplace, it becomes available to your guild uh, five minutes before it becomes available to the rest of the world. And so there's this kind of an opportunity you can you can sell at a discount. But I'm finding that you know I've I've always been one of these people who who gives away all of their stuff and then gets cranky because they don't have anything, and so the fact that the game protects me from my bad habits is another thing I appreciate. <laughs> I I don't think you can because remember that time we were doing the guild quest, and we just split. So uh, I tried to put the um, the wood on the auction house, and it went. I sold it, but nobody even saw it come up on the um, the Vela warehouse board yeah there are notifications that i've later learned that you can set and that sort of thing so i'm not sure that we understand that aspect of the game very well yet possibly it's going to be interesting interesting to see how the mechanics work when we need lots of lumber lots of stone and lots of other resources to build up our towers and defenses when we do decide to take over a node or a village or whatever do we yeah. want to talk about the gaming community of talk Oh, yes, we'll do that. Okay. I came here after I came out of EverQuest 2. So I can't remember the first game that I played with Tog, but it's been the best experience I've ever had in gaming community. 
Me too. Me too. And I've been through quite a few gaming communities and some crazy ones, some that need freaking serious mental help. And uh, I, I, has it been perfect experience? No, but I think it's been a pleasant and a well-rounded ex- adult experience. So Yes. Yeah, mature. Yeah. We shouldn't say adult. When we say adult, you know, we give other inferences. I mean, some of the bigger guilds playing Black Desert that are currently on our server, um, I played with them in Guild Wars 2. Great guys to play with. Um, but if I want to go and play a game, any game, I can log into, into TS and be playing with the same people that I've known for many years. I know their play style, I know what they like to do, and um, I feel comfortable. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I quite honestly, um, you know, I think it, it's, it's taken a while for me to find a community like Todd, but I'm, I'm happy that I'm here. Um, so if you're looking for mature and you're over tw- a mature community and you're over 25 years old, please check us out. Um, our website's at theoldergamers.com. Check out the link. Check out the requirements. Put in an application. Say you heard you heard about us through the through the podcast, and you know, and then we'll pop in and and get you uh, get you invited. And that usually takes about twenty four hours, and you get the reply, and then you can come into the website and see what Tog has to offer and all the game gaming experiences that it actually has. So it's not just for one game; it's for any game. Yeah, we got we have tons of games, tons, and TeamSpeak is active, and uh, it's a, it's a really really good community, with the exception of Lendl. But other <laughs> than that, sorry, Lendl. No problem. Yeah, welcome. I can't I can't stay mad at you. I'm not sure about the use of the word "we" there. We probably want to distinguish between this podcast group. And Tog. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Should, should I a do a, a high-speed disclaimer sort of a thing? I think I did that at the beginning, dude. Yeah, good point. I think one other thing that we missed was the fact that Tog isn't US-based, it isn't Australian-based, it, you know, that it's worldwide-based. But I worldwide. believe they got that, because my accent and Lendl's accent is definitely not European slash Australian, where Blue... And you, Aaron, are more European-Australian accent. Yeah, I understand that, but I just thought maybe we should well, we make could that edit clear that in. at the beginning. Edit yeah. that in at the beginning. Yep, there you go. Yeah, I'm when happy about it, though. The, yeah. the, I don't think there's going to be a lot of huge edits. I don't. I don't. I think for the majority of it, I think you, you could pretty much put it in as as is. I think, you know, toward the end and toward the beginning, we may to edit it more, though. Um, let's go ahead and, uh, now that we're still recording, let's record everyone saying goodnight, you know, and see you next week. So, good night, guys. See you next week. Good night, everyone. Good night. Uh, and in, in honor of Ronnie, uh, it's good night from them, uh, and it's good night. Uh, yeah, ah, damn it. And it's good night from, from them. And you as well. <laughs> yes, that's the one. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Lunchtime. Yes. All right. Very good.
Oh, I'm going to stop recording. I guess on the next week we'll talk about Medaya. Is that how you say it? Medaya? Yeah, I might have got there by then. Yeah. <laughs> Me too, man. Me too.